Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We all want a better business so we can be better architects. Well, a better business starts with planning for profit. Download our free course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, at entrearchitect.com slash free course. You're listening to Entree Architect Podcast, and this is episode 152. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm Whether you're in the process of launching a startup or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Michael Gerber, the author of one of my favorite business books of all time, The E-Myth Revisited, said, Organize around business functions, not people. Build systems within each business function. Let systems run the business and people run the systems. People come and go, but the systems remain constant. This week at Entree Architect Podcast, Simple SOPs, 10 Steps for Creating Standard Operating Procedures for Architects. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by TrueStyle, the leader in high-end architectural interior doors. Learn more at truestyle.com. And FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices 
manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com architect. Standard operating procedures. In business, that's the answer. That's the answer to your question, whatever that question may be. How do I make more money? How do I find more work? How do I get my employees or my, or my independent contractors to do what I want them to do? How do I, how do I get more done? The answer is the SOP, Standard Operating Procedures. SOPs make you a stronger, more effective leader. They clarify your vision uh, in addition to communicating and supporting and, and helping with decision-making for realizing that vision. SOPs build a better culture. They're intentional reinforcement of the behaviors that help us realize our vision and the kind of workplace that we want our workplace to be. SOPs will allow us to build better businesses so we can be better architects. You've heard me say that before. That's the answer, SOPs. Once they're developed, they will allow us to focus on the things that matter most to us as architects. They allow us to be better architects, to be more creative, to spend more time doing the things that we love to do, the things that we, we became architects to do. Creating SOPs may be the most important task we have as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as entrepreneur architects. Creating SOPs may be the most important task we have. But most of us don't have them. We don't have standard operating procedures, right? It's very business-like and we're not very business-like people. But why? Is it because we feel that the systems, the, the SOPs will hinder our creativity, that if we create this standard procedure, that this standard process, we'll have standard boring architecture, standard boring environments, will they hinder our creativity? I think you know the answer to that. No, they won't. In fact, they will allow us to have more time to spend on being creative, developing our creativity. We'll be able to have more opportunities to be better architects. Or maybe we don't create SOPs because we just don't know how. We were never taught, right? We're not business people, we're architects. But we own businesses. We need standard operating procedures in order to run successful businesses. That was my reason too. My reason for not developing SOPs when I first started Five Cat Studio, my architecture firm, I just didn't know how. I didn't even know that I needed to, right? We were never taught. I didn't know we needed standard operating procedures. I just didn't know. And when I did find out, when I read the E-Myth, the E-Myth is all about this kind of stuff, so check it out, E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Once you read that book, you'll realize that systems are the answer. But I didn't know how. That book actually doesn't tell us how tells us that we should have them and it gives us some basic parameters on, on how to go about putting them together. 
but I never knew how. I knew I needed them. And so I created some simple SOPs. And this week, I'm going to share them with you. I'm going to share 10 steps for creating standard operating procedures for your small firm. But before that, I want to, to get into uh, how to effectively create SOPs. Before I get into the 10 steps, I sort of want to talk about what, what these things need, right? They need, they need uh, five components. Each SOP has five components, sort of generally. And I'm going to go into the 10 steps of, of each SOP. But, but generally, uh, every SOP needs a process which is the manual methods used for accomplishing a task, the process, right? We're already doing that, right? Every day we're doing processes in the work that we do, whether we're designing or we're doing CAD work or BIM work, whether we're calling clients, there's a process that we've established. There's a process that we go through, a manual method for accomplishing a task that we do. It's probably not documented. It's probably not developed. It's just the way we've done it over time. It's an evolution, right? So processes is a, a big part of a standard operating procedure. Effective processes are clear. They're replicable. They're documented. They're supported by tools and they're easily accessible, right? So the process that we, when you create a, an effective process, they need to be clear, uh, be able to be replicated, they need to be documented, they need to be supported by the tools they need in order to accomplish the process, and they need to be easily accessible. And the second part are systems. The second component of an SOP is, are the systems. The systems are also, also methods used to accomplish tasks, but systems are automated methods used for accomplishing tasks. So there's within the umbrella of a standard operating procedures, there's processes, which are the manual methods, and the systems, which are the automated methods. And then there's roles, the expectations for, for how an employee or whomever is going to do the work should use uh, his or her skills to achieve the goals, right? That's the role, the expectations of how an employee is going to achieve the goals. The skills are number four, complete sets of knowledge and skills that employees use to execute the processes, right? So how do you accomplish the goals, the skills, right? So you have to identify the skills required to complete this standard operating procedure. And then there's structure. So how do the different roles interact? So you have roles for accomplishing this, this standard operating procedure, you have roles that are creating those operating procedures. And how do those roles interact? That's the structure, right? That's the organization of your firm is the structure. So those are the five components of an SOP. Winston Churchill said, for the first 25 years of my life, I wanted freedom. For the next 25 years, I wanted order. For the next 25 years, I realized that order is freedom. I love that quote. I hope it doesn't take me 75 years to figure that out. I hope it doesn't take 75 years for you to figure out that order is freedom. Standard operating procedures give us freedom to do the things that we want to do, to do our best work as architects. So here, here are my 10 steps. My 10 steps for creating standard operating procedures. 
Number one, you need to identify, you know, I, this is this is basically a template, a template for standard operating procedures. These are the, the 10 steps that you need to do to create a, an, an operating standard operating procedure. Uh, and it starts off with your company identity. You know, you want to just have it. Oh, maybe it's a, a letterhead, you know, your name, your logo. Also, you might want to uh, document your, your firm's purpose and your firm's vision and your firm's mission on every standard operating procedure to remind the people who are doing these these tasks, these procedures of where they are and what is their purpose and what is the mission and the vision of this organization that they've become part of. It's a great way to build your culture. It's a great way to remind people why these standard operating procedures are so important, right? So the first step is to identify your company, the company identity. You wanna reinforce your leadership and your culture by identifying the company. And that's just the first step. The second step is a clear communication, is, is introduction is the next step. So number two is introduction, and you want to have clear communication about the background for this SOP. What's the purpose of this SOP? What's the scope of this SOP, right? So why are you creating this SOP? What's the background, okay? And you might even wanna have a list of keywords for reference because sometimes these SOPs, these SOPs can be either printed or they can become digital. And when they're digital, you can have keywords that then become searchable. So maybe your standard operating procedures are, are, are stored in Evernote and Evernote can search for keywords. And so you can have a list of keywords in that second step, the introduction, um, background, purpose, scope, keywords, okay? Very clear communication. So number one, company identity. Number two, the introduction to the SOP. Number three, number three is the role. So which role, not, not which person, right? Not which employee, you're not writing these for employees. You're writing these for a role. Which role is responsible for this SOP, okay? Which role is responsible for this SOP? And then number four is responsibilities. What are the responsibilities included in performing this SOP? So you wanna list the role and you wanna list the responsibilities for this SOP. Number five is skills. What are the skills required to accomplish this task? And this is really important because you want to align the skills with the responsibilities and the roles, right? If you have an employee who is not good at creating, uh, or, or let's say answering the telephone, they don't have a very good skill, they don't have good people, people skills, right? They're great designers or they're great with BIM, but they can't answer a telephone or talk to a client. You know, you don't want that person. That's not their strength. Right. So what are the skills requiring you know, required to answer the telephone in your office? Right. Do they have clear speech? Do they have good grammar? Do they have uh, uh, proper proper manners? You know, do they do they connect well with people? You know, those are skills that are required for answering a telephone at your firm. Right. And, and maybe maybe we're not paying attention to those skills, which is why you want an SOP, because that will identify what are the skills required to do this job? Number, that's number five. So number one, company identity. 
Number two, introduction. Number three, role. Number four, responsibilities. Number five, skills. Okay, we're halfway through. And you can be writing these down. Number six, resources, right? In order to accomplish this standard operating procedure, what are the resources required to accomplish this SOP? Okay, so maybe it's, maybe it's a list of links. Maybe it's uh, a, a book. Maybe it's a code book. Maybe it's a specific, a specific section in the code book. What are the resources required to accomplish? This standard oper operating procedure, the intent is to make this job, this procedure, as effective and as efficient as possible. You want to make it easier to use the SOP than to not use the SOP. That's how you get people to use standard operating procedures. Some of us don't have standard operating procedures because our employees don't want us to have standard operating procedures. I've been in firms like that, right? If you, if you create standard operating procedures the way I'm telling you to, that identify the skills, identify the resources they need, it ends up becoming the resource. It becomes the reference. It becomes the thing that they use to get the job done easier. So they always use the standard operating procedure because it's easier to use the SOP than to not use the SOP. So you provide them all the resources they need, whatever links they need, whatever websites they may need, whatever books they may need, whatever, what other people may need, whatever resources are in that section, number six. And then here's the meat of it, number seven, the meat of the SOP, the instructions the instructions, right? A written step-by-step -step procedure, very clear, very specific, step-by-step, -step, as if a third grader was going to accomplish this task. What are the steps? Even the obvious no-brainer steps should be included in this, right? If it's done with a certain lead on a piece of paper, what lead, what piece of paper, <laughs> okay? Step by step, step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and you can have check boxes next to each one of those steps so they know that they've accomplished it. So it's easier to use the SOP than to not use the SOP, right? When you're putting together a set of drawings, it could be a checklist of all of the things that need to be accomplished, step by step by step. And a great tip, and this could be included in part of your SOP, are videos. You can do screen sharing. You can do, you can do video recordings of your screen while you're doing the task. You can, be t you can be talking over while you're doing it, so you can be teaching somebody recorded on your screen while you're doing the task on your screen. So if this is something, again, maybe it's a, a, a CAD process or, or a, a BIM method, you can use Programs like ScreenFlow, if you're using a Mac, or you can use Camtasia, if you're using a PC, or if you want to use something on the web, there's there's a, a, a software called Jing, with a J, J-I-N-G. ScreenFlow, Camtasia, or Jing will, will record your screen, and then they will also allow you to annotate, annotate your screen. So you can write notes right on your screen. It'll allow you to record your voice. 
and allow you to do all these different things. And uh, then you can include that in the instructions. So it's a very easy step-by-step -step process video, right? And then that could be included, either a link to where you can find that video, it can be in the written section, or the video itself can be linked from your digital uh, format. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to our platform sponsors here at Entree Architect, True Style Doors and FreshBooks. As a platform sponsor, these companies have provided funding and support for our overall mission to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. Have you ever gone back to a completed project for a visit and, and found the doors sticking or the seams splitting and a very, very unhappy client? <laughs> oh, I've been there. We're in the client happiness business. And when a, a piece of our project fails to perform, especially one that our clients see and touch and use every day, it makes us look bad. True Style will make us look good. True Style is passionate about providing us small firm architects with the inspiration and the tools to transform our designs with the most authentic and distinctive doors available. With more than 400 made to order styles, True Style offers beautifully stable, premium MDF doors for painted applications and 20 standard species of wood across all architectural categories, from traditional to contemporary and everything in between. Every True Style door is made to order. True Style, driven by design. Visit truestyle.com, T-R-U-S-T-I-L-E.com and start designing your doors today. You know, in case you were wondering, and I'm sure you were, 192 hours works out to two business days a month. Why the math, you're asking? Well, if you're an architect and you're using FreshBooks cloud accounting software, that's the amount of admin time you could save in 2017. How? FreshBooks is so fast and easy to use that it changes the way you deal with your paperwork. And FreshBooks has completely redesigned from the ground up and it's custom built for the way that we work. With its new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients and your contractors and your employees. And you can see how quickly things happen when all your conversations live in one place. And the new notification center is like your own personal assistant you'll always know what's changed in your business since the last time you logged in and what needs to be done and what needs to be dealt with right away, like overdue invoices. So when you're ready to give FreshBooks a try, and I recommend that you do, go to freshbooks.com architect and sign up for your free 30-day unrestricted full access trial and get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid faster. Freshbooks.com slash architect, and be sure to enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Okay, so let's recap here. The 10 steps, so far we've gone through seven steps. Number one is company identity. Number two is introduction. Number three is role. Number four is the responsibilities. 
Number five are the skills. Number six, the resources. And number seven is the meat of it, the instructions. The written instructions, step-by-step, step, very clear, very easy to understand. Maybe use videos, screen sharing, that kind of thing you want. This is, this is what this is all about. How do you do this procedure, right? In a step-by-step -step format, very easy to understand. If, you're, if you had a new employee and you were teaching the employee to do this procedure, what would you say? How would you say it? That's what you want to write here. Okay. And this is, this is the bulk of it. You know, all these other things are sort of leading up to it and supporting it and giving it the, the information they need in order to be effective and efficient. But this right here, number seven, the instructions, what it's all about. Spend some time on these things. Spend some time on getting this right because the more time you spend on, on developing the clarity and the understandability, if that's a word, on these standard operating procedures, the more time you'll save in clarifying what you mean, right? So spend some time, written instructions, use video, maybe even audio, whatever it takes. You want the instructions to be clear. So that's number seven. Number eight is the monitor monitoring procedure. The monitoring procedure. And what this is, is you're monitoring this standard operating procedure for its effectiveness and its efficiency. Right. So as it's being processed, as it's as you're doing this work, as whomever is doing this work sees a better way of doing it, what is the procedure for monitoring this? What are, who's going to review this procedure to make sure that it's working? Right. That's number eight. So you have a, uh, some written instructions on how to monitor this standard operating procedure. Number nine is the cor corrective procedure. Right? Because you want these things to improve. You want these things to always uh, evolve. As technology changes, your, your procedures may change. Right, as, as you have new employees and you bring in more experience and you have more experience, you will want to update these procedures. Number eight is monitor those procedures. And number nine is how do you correct it? You know, the corrective procedure. How do you correct or improve? these standard operating procedures. So that's number nine. You wanna have that written down. And those probably, the monitoring procedure and the corrective procedure are probably things that, that may be replicated over other standard operating procedures. Uh, but it may be custom for this specific operating procedure. So number eight, monitor procedure. Number nine, corrective procedure. And the final step, number 10, is actually split into two different things. But number 10 is verification, right? This is, this is where the accountability comes in. Verification. Number, the you know, first part of verification is the implementer. Who is doing the work? So up, up above in number three is the roles, right? This down here at the bottom, this is where somebody signs their name. This is where this is assigned to someone. And someone's in charge of this. And someone's going to implement this. And they're going to confirm with their signature that this job, that this operating procedure has been completed, right? So this is a signature line. This is, this is an assignment that, that you're going to assign this procedure to someone. And when it's finished, they're going to identify that they've completed this task, maybe with, with check marks and initials, and then they're going to sign their, their name that the project, you know, that this procedure has been completed. So the implementer is, is part of the verifi verification process that the, pro that the, procedure was done. 
Uh, and then the second half of that is the reviewer. So somebody's going to do the work and then there's going to be somebody potentially who's going to review the work and confirm that the work was done and that the work was done properly. It may just be the reviewer may just need if these systems are put in uh, properly, the, if they're developed properly, they may just be reviewing a checklist because you know, one of your systems may be accountability that if somebody goes through a process, says they've done this work, but they haven't, there may be a consequence to that, right? So there might be a, an operating procedure about operating procedures that if you don't do the operating procedure properly, there's a penalty, right? So, so you can confirm that they've done their job, you know, and that, and all you have to do is check to make sure that the check boxes are done and the, and the uh, initials are done and it's been signed and you're on your way. You can re review the work, make sure the work is done, and then the reviewer signs and dates that it was reviewed. So verification is number 10, the implementer and the date implemented, right? So if this is a procedure that happens over and over and over again, you may create a spreadsheet, right? That the implementer and the implementer and the date and the implementer and the date and who did the work, maybe multiple people doing the same role, right? So who did the work? When did they do it? Who reviewed the work? Who re, you know, what date did they review it? Okay, so that's it. That's the 10 steps. Company identity. Number two is introduction. Number three is the role. Number four is responsibilities. Number five, skills. Number six, resources. Number seven, instructions. Number eight, monitoring procedure. Number nine, the corrective procedure. Number 10, verification, which is split up among the implementer and the reviewer. That's it. Right. And you can you can modify this. This is just this is just a template for you. Right. Because I didn't know. And you may not know. It sounds pretty easy. Right. It's just go. It's just, who does the work. How does this work get done? What are the references? What are the skills? How do you monitor it? How do you correct it? How do you verify that it gets done? That's a standard operating procedure. Right. And you can customize it any way you want. You can change the the. The steps that I've put in here, it, this is just to get you started, right? It's just to get you started, give you something to start with. And these procedures, you know, they, they can be, you know, so once you have these put together, right, you're going to create a manual, right? All of the standard operating procedures should be compiled into a standard oper operating procedures manual. And this should be a printed version that's on the shelf that somebody could pull down because it's very easy to flip through. So it should definitely be printed, even if it's digital. You know, and that's the other side of it. It could also be a digital format. It could be Evernote. It could be some other document. It could be Google Docs, right? Something very easily documented and very easily, easily searched. What's great about digital is that you can have links to the resources and links to the video tutorials makes it very, very easy to find what you're looking for. But sometimes you just wanna pull it off the shelf and flip through the pages, right? It's sometimes it's just easier. So you should have both. And some of these things can be integrated. You know, these, these 10 steps, you can create Trello cards. I don't know if you know about Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. It's a project management software. This will fit right into that. You can have a Trello card, it's a template to put in these 10 steps. And then every time you have a new operating procedure that you want to put together, you go to that card, you customize it for this new operating procedure, and it goes into your Trello. And then that becomes your manual, right? You have a bunch of cards that show the standard operating procedures, right? Every procedure that you perform as an architect in every area of your business 
would benefit from developing a standard operating procedure manual. Whether it's business development with networking or customer relationship management, CRM, that kind of stuff, right? Those are all systems that could be developed. Marketing systems, you know, maybe your website could be a, could be a standard operating procedure, how the website is developed and maintained. You know, maybe you're doing some advertising or social media. Social media definitely could have standard operating procedures. When do you post? What do you post? What kind of content do you post? Who, who posts? What time do you post? Very easily, right? And the systems can be automated for, for that kind of stuff. Um, sales system can be documented in a standard operating procedure. All of your technology, your CAD, your BIM, your, your computer networks, your cloud computing, all of that can be standard operating procedures. What is it? How does it work? What are the standards that you use? All of that can be done and put in your manual. Employee reviews. How do you hire employees, right? And then once they're hired, how is their performance reviewed? All part of your standard operating procedure manual. So somebody, if they want to know how they, how they uh, can be promoted in your firm, go to the standard operating procedure, see how the review system works, how the promotions may work. That may all be part of your systems. Your communication, all of your communications should be standard operating procedures. Your telephone, how do you answer a telephone? You know, um, email, how do you answer email? When do you answer email? What, what tools do you use to answer email? Again, social media, video conferencing, right? Are you using video conference tools? Uh, that all can be standard operating procedures. What tool are you using? How are you using it? When do you use it? All those things. Standard operating procedures. That's the answer, right? That's the answer to whatever it may be. How do you make more money? How do you find more work? How do you get your employees to do what you want them to do, right? I hear these questions all the time at Entree Architect from the Entree Architect community. These are the questions that people are asking. How do I get more done? How do I be more productive, right? The answer is the standard operating procedure. If you read my blog post this past week, my one word, my one word for 2017, simplify. You can go to entrearchitect.com slash one word, written out, O-N-E, word, one word. And you can read about my one word. My one word for 2017 is simplify. Simplify. SOPs will help to simplify your business, right? Everything that I'm going to do in 2017 is going to be simplified. I'm going to find the easiest way to accomplish it, the most effective way of doing it, right? What is the most effective way, but what is the simplest way? What's the easiest way to understand what I'm doing? How do my clients, how can I simplify what I'm presenting to my clients so they can understand it better? How can I simplify my financial system? How can I simplify my sales system? How do I simplify my, my productivity system? Okay, go check it out, entrearchitect.com slash one word, simplify. SOPs will help simplify your business. So go, 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 get to work right now. This week, I want you to pick one procedure, okay? You have homework. If you're listening to this podcast, now you have homework. Pick just one procedure and document it. It's not hard. 
use this format, these 10 steps, develop your first SOP using these 10 steps, and you'll see, you'll see how easy this is. It's not that hard. I challenge you. Develop your first SOP this week, and then go over to Facebook, facebook.com, or entrearchitect.com slash group. We'll get you to the Facebook group. You can tell me how you did there. Connect with me there. Tell me how your first SOP worked out and how you're going to develop all of your SOPs from this point forward because it's so easy. Go do it. It'll make your life better. It'll make your business better. You'll be a better architect. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode will be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 152. And don't forget, don't forget to visit the website entrearchitect.com and gain access to our free digital course, Profit for Small Firm Architects, and learn how to build a powerful profit plan for your small firm. It'll make you more money. Visit entrearchitect.com slash free course. You can also go right to the homepage. It's there too. But entrearchitect.com slash free course will get you right to the sign-up page. Hundreds of architects have already taken this course, and they're making more money. It's a great place to start building a better business, and it's free. EntreArchitect.com slash free course. My name is Mark Arlapage, and I am an entrepreneur architect, and I encourage you to go build a better business so you can be a better architect. Love, learn, and share what you know. I thank you for listening. Have an awesome week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys.
Oh my one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.